facility. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another Monday is upon us, but nice to see a little bit of green action going on in the screen. We're going to look at some in-depth, maybe give you a different think mode than we've had um, in recent weeks. As we look at the big picture, we know weather has definitely been a factor and will continue to be so. But what about the struggles? We're seeing the balance sheets, the fourth waves. How about bulls and bears both getting beat up at the same time? That's something we don't ever talk about. Well, we're going to do all of that today with Darren Fry. Darren joins us with Water Street. And Darren, we got to start out with the weather because I think that is definitely the water cooler talk wherever you're at as folks start to look at the big picture beyond their own fields. Yeah, that's right, Susan. It's, uh, it is the cooler, cooler uh, talk for sure. And uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, weather continues to just be all over the board from promising these cluster storms that are going to bring the crop-saving rains to, you know, plenty of rain and cooler weather in the east to the hot, dry forecast that we're now under in the west and upper Midwest. And so weather is that component this time of year that's going to dictate how big of a harvest we'll have. And a lot of people are debating that, right, between the bears and the bulls because it's really hard to know what that supply will be. And that is what the market is doing right now. We're trading supply, we're not trading demand, and we're arguing a back and forth about every next weather forecast and what's gonna confirm and what's not. But I think one thing's for sure, the West is still getting shorted on rain and the East is looking pretty good. You you say that and as you get a chance to kind of talk to, to your clientele and the, and the farmers across the nation are what are they what are they hearing for struggles what are some of their biggest concerns with the weather whether they're dry or wet and they're seeing what the others doing well i'd say it's hard in the east to to not be bearish i think the, the crops are really good you know you have your isolated areas that it had way too much rain and it's really stunted the soybean and probably causing some denitrification issues in places where they took 10, 15, 20 inches rain over that week period about three weeks ago. And so there's some concerns there, obviously, with droughted out spots and that. But overall, very strong crop. And, and hey, why are we selling 540, 550 corn or, you know, 1350 beans, let's say. But then you turn around out west and, you know, they bailed the wheat. They got a third of an oats crop. They Their corn is on the verge of, of collapsing. Their soybeans are two weeks away from that. Um, why isn't the market going up? And the challenges uh, for livestock out there where, you know, hay cuttings, forget it. I mean, people got, you know, partial first cutting. Most people won't ever see another cutting this year unless something drastically changes. So there's, there's concerns on both sides, but much greater, obviously, out west. And really bullish, hard to sell anything when you think the price should go higher. So having said that, I know we would usually talk about this on the livestock side, but but since you, you brought it up in the hay cutting and everything, we know that the Dakotas, Montana, Saskatchewan um, are having a lot of issues and they're selling a lot of livestock, which in the turnaround is going to have an effect on feed consumption as well, which will affect our grain producers. Yeah, I think, you know, you're going to see a contraction. We're seeing some of that in the hog herd that was forecast. and and But I think you're going to have that in the cattle as well. It won't, uh, it won't affect the big picture of grain demand a whole lot, but it will have an impact as you, uh, are going to create a hole down the road here. So many 
cow calf tears have been liquidated. There's just not the feed. I was talking to one of my producers over the weekend, and I asked them out there, hey, they have a large cow calf operation in South Dakota, and they basically said, hey, we're going to be okay, but we carried over, you know, 2,500 bales from from last year, and so we're going to have plenty of hay, but not because this year's crop was any good. It's just we had it on hand. And so I do think it's a real big issue uh, out west, and, and it will have an impact. There's definitely a hole in the cattle industry here coming up. All right, as we look at other factors that are being looked at, I kind of talked about the, the weather issues that have been happening. Uh, balance sheets, when you're looking at the big picture, what are some things that you're wanting our grain and livestock guys to kind of take away with it? Well, I still think on the livestock side, hey, if you haven't gotten your feed locked in out in the next year, at least through the South American harvest, the guy's got to do that uh, on any of these breaks. We've been trading in these technical triangles where we've been taking money from the bulls on down days and money from the bears on up days, but the market hasn't really gone anywhere. And so livestock producers need to be taking advantage of breaks to buy feed because I do think over time there's still more upside potential in this market. Obviously, uh, grain producers need to, you know, be using puts or something. It keeps their top side open if they sold grain. I like buying calls on breaks just because I think there's still upside in this market. And, um, you know, livestock producers are going to be fighting higher feed costs, I think, for a while. And so this is going to take a while to resolve itself because balance sheets are so tight. And normally when you see them get this tight, world and domestic, it takes more than just one crop to fix it. So I think we're going to be dealing with this issue well into 22. I was just going to ask you, how long is this struggle going to continue? Is it going to go beyond 22? Or do we kind of keep our fingers crossed and say some prayers for some decent growing weather? Exactly. I don't know if it goes beyond 22 because I don't know yet how big our crop is. But definitely that Safrina crop is, is approaching the low 80s now. We're going to have more export business. I know there's crops being trimmed in Russia, wheat, and France, Germany, pulling back a little bit. We've lost really all the crops in Canada. If you look at canola, wheat, oats, barley, whatever. So I would think it's going to take a while in the acreage battle come spring of 22 to figure out how we're going to resolve this issue. Lots of things we have to continue to look around. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready to head into segment two of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Darren Fry joins us. We come back. We're going to talk about these charts and the waves that are happening. Add two at the traders market. Both the bulls and the bears are getting beat up on it. And how much has changed just in the last six months? And what's going to happen as we move forward? A lot's happening. Continue on the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield continuing this conversation with Darren Fry. So we were talking as we went to break about some of the struggles that we've been seeing within this this market. But you talk about the charts. Let's talk about this fourth wave and and Darren, what that's going to mean for us. You bet. Um, When you look at Elliott Wave, the market has a... uh, you know, that ebbs and, and flows as it moves. It has its own rhythm. And so ups and downs are measured in Elliott Wave as, as, you know, one up, two down, three up, four down, and then five up. And we've been moving higher in these markets since last August. And really that's when everything broke out to the upside. And we had unprecedented, you know, demand and buying and our crop was a little shorter than what we expected and up we went. And right now, we've been sitting sideways really for two months. 
Uh, we made our highs back in that May time frame, and we've been just trading sideways, up and down in big ranges. And a lot of times a fourth wave will, will do a good job at just wringing everybody's money out of their pockets and, and taking it from them. And we see that, you know, big moves up, the bears lose, big moves down, the bulls lose. And in those triangles, you have five waves. So you have plenty of up and downs to cope with. And triangles precede the last move of the wave count. And so what comes after four is five. And it's resolved in the way of the trend. And the trend, if you look at weeklies or monthlies, is still for higher. So I don't know when we're going to break out of these for sure. But when we do, I believe we have higher markets to come. But in the meantime, it's about preserving capital and managing risk. And we've sure had a lot of choppiness here as of late, mainly driven by the weather forecast and the uncertainty around those. So are we going to continue to see the beat-ups happening on both the bulls and the bears in these markets? Well, until we get clear evidence that we've broken out, uh, I would look for that choppiness to prevail. And we could be, you know, out through the middle of August before we determine a direction here past the August WASD. Um, but possibly it could do it prior to that if we see a definitive weather direction. Like if we just start missing all the rains, crop conditions fall, and hey, we got to go up. Well, then it might be directional before we get to the August WASD, but certainly we could stay in a triangle longer. Darren, we do have a listener question that came in um, as I was glancing at my email before we started talking. And he was wondering, is basis going to have any changes considering the current weather crop fields we have going on across the U.S.? Well, that's an excellent question. Um as far as basis, we're recommending for the guys out east that have a big corn crop, we've been recommending they work their fall basis out through at least the first half, if not the end of November. We see the basis strengthening after that, and there'll be you know a processor and an exporter tug of war there battling back and forth. And so basis could firm beyond November, but hey, get the fall basis locked in. As far as out west, because of the shortness of the crop, I think, you know, that corn's going to have to move, um, you know, into that area for those processors, for any livestock. And so I think bases could try to hold that corn there and firm up. So I'm not recommending anything there. As far as soybeans, I'm pretty bullish beans, and we're just not recommending any basis uh, to be locked in even over the scale at harvest. Uh, we're going to probably store our beans and look for higher markets, higher bases, and futures All as right. we move through harvest. Okay, now let's let's do a rewind because you brought up some great points before we started the Fontenelle final bell. Look where we were sitting six months ago. I mean, we had a lot of optimism when it came globally and locally for how these crops were going to do, and that kind of got shot out of the water. You know, it really has. You know, if you, if you go back, uh, we started this rally on big demand, and we moved into the new year, and there was a lot of optimism around a very large Safrina crop, and obviously the drought was very well entrenched there. And then, of course, they had the freeze, and so that crop's been reduced, taking at least 20, 25 million metric tons, um, probably off of that crop, something like that. And we're down in this low 80s for a total crop. And then, you know, hey, the Russian wheat crop was going to be really big, 83 to 85, and it could be more like 79, 80 now. Few reductions, maybe in France, some quality issues with all the rain, the recent rains. But then you got 
the whole Canadian crop. You know, you, you wipe out a canola crop, basically, and oats, barley, you know, spring wheat. We have the Northern Plains issue where a lot of that stuff's going to get abandoned, bailed for livestock forage. And so, you know, you look at this and you're thinking, there's been some major crops wiped out. You know, how can this balance sheet get rectified without, you know, somebody having some, um, you know, good probabilities of, of high yields? And now we got the Western Corn Belt that's struggling, and we're coming in a critical time here for, you know, our corn and soybeans. So, hey, there's a lot to play out yet, but we definitely have some facts on our side that says we've shrunk the world balance sheet. And all right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren? Uh, a couple, three places. They can call us at 866-249-2528, a toll-free number, or look me up on Twitter at fry underscore WSS or on the web at waterstreetconsulting.com. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. For irrigators on load management, we have an update. First of all, we'll pass along the update. Scheduled to go at 245, now it's been moved to 345, code red, going 345 code red for Southwest and Twin Valleys. In addition, Dawson at 345. Everybody else is code red as of now, and have been for some time. Code red, Custer, Howard Greeley, Loop Valleys, McCook, Norris, Perennial, South Central, and Southern are all code red, going code red at 345, Dawson and Southwest, along with Twin Valleys, again Twin Valleys, and Southwest were scheduled at 245. They are now 345. So, in addition, Dawson, Southwest, and Twin Valleys going in at 345. All the other districts are 